Insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment. This is episode 150, A Strong Finish. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and my rested and relaxed co-host, Michelle Whalen. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today, dear? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well now that I've gotten everything back up and running here. And, we, and you're not cursing? or It shocks me. I We just did a podcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. Everything worked perfectly fine throughout the whole thing. Didn't do anything. The configuration came in, turned everything back on, and nothing worked. And nothing works, of course. That's so, how it always is, isn't it? I, I, love, I love technology. Yes, you do. That is... The bane of my existence most days. Uh, so we're back after a relatively long hiatus. Yeah, uh, I don't even remember the last. It's been quite some time, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while for us at least. We've, yeah, we have. You know, we've been recording our other ones. Uh, we just we haven't found all that much to talk about, really. Right, because we, we kind of feel like we're in a little bit of a rut. Yeah. Where we're not sure where we want to go go with things and you know for those of you listening uh watching you know maybe give us some ideas what is it that you like about our podcast what don't you like about our podcast what can we do to improve what what would you like to hear us talk about uh or not talk about or review or or whatnot um i think that's where we kind of were feeling like we were more like an entertainment show yeah, well, insights and entertainment kind of would have made sense being an entertainment show, right? But like, like an entertainment tonight, or right? Something. We were doing we were doing too much news reporting, and it, and right, right, and it was something where we wanted to be topical, but we also didn't want it to be oh, you know, you know, this person passed away or. You know, right. this thing or that thing. But we didn't and, want to regurgitate know. somebody else's news stories and right. just stick to that. Right. So we're, we're still kind of trying to figure out what what it is that we want, I guess. And so, again. It took us 140-some episodes to realize we didn't <laughs> like what we were doing. <laughs> Go figure. Well, no, we've had different variations throughout the 150 we have, episodes. We so. have. We've, we've yeah. tried hey, different, you know different things. Hey, you know what? Some podcasts don't even make it to 150. That's so, some, yeah, that's true. That's very true. So there's that. So again, still trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. <laughs> right, right. If we want to grow up. <laughs> if we want to grow up. Well, that seems to be the real challenge. Yeah. No. Uh, but after a long hiatus, we were back in a revamped studio. We completely redid the studio. We upgraded some of our equipment. Um, if you have watched previous uh, episodes of the podcast, you'll notice that our re- our positions are reversed, mm-hmm. so we changed things up dramatically there. Yep. Um, and we had some interesting experiences to share. Uh, first, 
that we're going to talk about was from a, a trip we took up to uh, Niagara Falls a few weeks back. Had fun with that. That mm-hmm. was, that yeah, was we did. interesting. Mm-hmm. Sad little town because we didn't have, I didn't have my passport and Maddie didn't have her, so we couldn't go into the fun part of Niagara right, Falls, that, which is the Canadian we'll, side. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get more into that yeah, <laughs> when, we, so, when we start. But so, yeah. uh, and then uh, we have a new convention in town. Uh, which we attended that was potentially a really good convention. Mm-hmm. They just didn't advertise. Right. So hopefully uh, the, the poor turnout didn't turn them off and they will be back. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to wrap up with uh, some thoughts on a few of our favorite shows coming to an end. And then we have some afterthoughts uh, that I just threw in literally in the last five minutes to finish things off with. Uh, but before we do that, though, I do want to take a moment to... Uh, invite our listening and viewing audience to subscribe to the podcast. You can find audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights into Entertainment. And as always, you can find audio and video of all the network's podcasts listed as Insights into Things. We're available on Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. I'd also invite you to write in, which, you know, we've already... Solicit your your input here, but you can email that over to us at comments at insightsintothings.com. You can hit us on Twitter at insights underscore things, or you can find links to all that and more on our official website at insightsintothings.com. Shall we get into it? Sure, let's do it. All right, here we go. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the Strong National Museum of Play, which when we were up in Niagara Falls, we actually went out to uh, Rochester mm-hmm. for a day trip because it's a bit of a bit of a ride from uh, Niagara Falls and found that we probably needed much more than one day to do this museum. Yeah, it, it was definitely – we spent pretty much – the whole day there and we still didn't get to see everything there were a few areas that we unfortunately we were just tired because we didn't expect to have so much to see and we kind of said if we ever come back to the area we would probably do an overnight in Rochester just because Rochester had so many different things to, to see and do that we didn't get a chance to, to do. So um, now this was something you had heard about the museum. You remembered it from a show that you watch. Yes, it was. It had appeared. In fact, they had a display at the, mm-hmm. at the museum. Right. Uh, it was the most appearing uh, facility on the TV show that I watch called Mysteries at the Museum mm-hmm. that goes around and profiles different exhibits at various museums and it was there it appeared on the show i think 17 times yeah yeah something like so that so that was where i had heard about it and on the drive up i was looking for things that we right. could do and right. it came up in there and i thought hey that would be really neat but not on the way up because right because we that, knew it was going to take some time right because at first we were like all right well do you know do we do it on our way to niagara do we take it as a day trip and as it turned out because we really didn't have anything planned for for our trip we said okay well this will be the day that we'll we'll go and it ended up probably being the highlight 
of of our trip besides the one restaurant that we really enjoyed. But that's a whole other. We'll plug them too <laughs> by, we'll the, plug them by too. the time we're done here. <laughs> sure. But yeah, no, the, the, the Strong National Museum of Play, also known as just the Strong, uh, is uh, in Rochester, New York. It was established in 1969, uh, based initially on a personal collection of a Rochester native, Margaret Woodbury Strong, the museum opened to the public in 1982 after several years of planning, cataloging, and, and exhibition development for the museum's new building in downtown Rochester, which the building itself is just amazing to see. It's mm-hmm. massive. It's got probably one of the most incredible designs I've ever seen for a museum itself both inside and outside, right. and it's just a wonder to see. Yeah. So for the for at least 15 years after its opening, the mission of the museum was to interpret the social and cultural history of average Americans between 1830 and 1940. Under the direction of H.J. Swiney and William T. Anderson, Mrs. Strong's collection of dolls and toys, American and European decorative arts, prints, paintings, Japanese crafts, and advertising provided a firm foundation for this mission and were uh, supplemented with collections purchased and donated to more fully support the museum's early mission. The museum received considerable local and national publicity and support and substantial financial support from the National Endowment for the Humanities Exhibition and Public Programs Division. And in the 1990s, the museum's board of trustees and director changed the museum's mission to collecting, preserving, and interpreting the history of play. Since then, it was refined and has increased its collections Hundreds of thousands of them. And believe me, we didn't get to see them all. There's mm-hmm. so many there. Right. It's been expanded twice, and in 1990, it was expanded twice in 97 and 2006. The museum is now one of the five play partners of the Strong, which is also home to the National Toy Hall of Fame, the International Center for the History of Electronic Games, and the Brian Sutton Smith Library and Archives of Play, and produces the American Journal of Play. The National Museum of Play is the only collections-based museum anywhere devoted solely to the study of play. And although it is a history museum, it has the interactive characteristic of a children's museum, making it the second largest museum of that type in the United States. The museum includes exhibits that interpret the key elements of play as well as allow guests to explore the worlds of Sesame Street, the Berenstain Bears, Reading Adventureland, and the Dancing Wings Butterfly Garden. The museum's exhibits are immersively themed for video games, storybooks, television shows, education, nature, history, comic books, carousel, and train rides, and they do have a massive carousel there, mm-hmm. uh, and children's lifestyles. E-Game Revolution is the first permanent video game exhibit in the U.S. and includes the World Video Game Hall of Fame. The National Toy Hall of Fame is at the museum. Dancing Wings Butterfly, as we mentioned already, features thousands of butterflies and is the largest indoor butterfly garden in New York. The Berenstein Bears Down a Sunny Dirt Road is an original permanent exhibit 
produced in partnership with the Berenstein family. So I, I, I was in awe, really, mm-hmm. of, of the whole thing. Yeah. It was just shocking, the size, the, the quality of the collection. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that really kind of caught my attention was a number of the exhibits were interactive in that they would ask your input. Mm-hmm. And as you provided your input, they would tally the input of the visitors and use it in the various studies that they do that they release in their in their magazines and books. So it was kind of neat being able to be part of that, you know, a little little bit of part of that that history and that that mm-hmm. knowledge that's preserved there. But unfortunately, we we just didn't get to see the whole thing. We didn't have enough time to see the whole thing. Right. Because, again, it was just one exhibit after another. And it was like, well, what's around this corner? And what's what's this corner? And it was just so well done. And, and what was interesting was going back, which I did today, because they did have a, a bunch of different plaques about Margaret uh, Woodbury Strong and, and her background. And she was an only child and her parents were very affluent and she traveled a lot with her parents. So by the time she was 11, she had probably seen more of the world than most people do in a lifetime. And because of that, she would always collect little toys and, and treasures from from these trips. And her parents were also collectors as well. Um, you know, her, her father collected coins and her mother collected Japanese art. So it was kind of like the hobby of collecting things. And that's how her personal collection actually started to the point where she actually built two wings onto her, her house in Rochester to display these things and would have people come to her house and sign a little guest registry that they had been there. And over time, that was when the historical society kind of came in and said, hey, we really should do something with these. And that was kind of the start of the museum. And when she passed away, she had willed all of the the items to um, to start this this foundation. So... You know, it was all started just by a little girl collecting, you know, toys and and just at the time to be able to to see. And that's what's so interesting is, you know, some of the sections, they kind of go through the history of here's the history of a doll, you know, from the 1800s to now. And it's it's so well done and so well preserved. And then you have, you know, the board game section. And here's what board games were like in the 1800s to now and and of Again, just the video game section, which was we probably could have spent so much more time just with the video games and and the history of the video games and and how it's evolved. And you figure the video games, that's a much smaller window of of time that they have been around versus, you know, some of the other things. So it was just so, so much to do. And for all ages, because and it was funny because when we were thinking about going we know of the Please Touch Museum in Philly. And that's one of those things where little kids go. Once your kids get to a certain age, you don't you don't usually go back there. Um, but with this, there were people there that didn't have kids who were visiting the museum because there's just so much to see and do. It's a real museum. And, and for, you know, the kids at heart or, or you know, you've played – you know, anybody that goes there, you're going to find something that you've played with that was in your personal collection there. 
and, you know, just finding the history of Legos and how Legos kind of came to be. And, and that was really fascinating and, and all the different things well, and the that other were thing, there. The other thing that really kind of struck me was that the entire facility was geared towards play and entertainment mm-hmm. to the point that even when we went to get lunch, the cafeteria where they served lunch, you had a a skywalk that you could mm-hmm. do, and it was various levels, and the kids right. strapped into these uh, harnesses and could walk the sky over your head while you're right. while you're sitting while there you're eating. Lunch. <laughs> or or even when we left, they had a little coffee shop when mm-hmm. you when you come in and, and you leave, where you just stop and get a little snack, a little pastry, have a little refreshment. But they've got board games on the shelf there that you can right, just pull those just out and just pull play, and play those with. while you're sitting there yep. eating. So mm-hmm. like literally everything that they had there was geared towards it. It was it was one of the most um, immersive experiences in the in the spirit of what the museum stood mm-hmm. for that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so oh, and the other thing that was really interesting was they had books all over the place that you could take out from their library. So obviously we couldn't have done it because we're not local. I'm sure that, you know, it's something where you go to check it out. But, you know, hey, if you're little Tommy's reading reading a book and thought it was really cool, we'll borrow it. It's a big giant library with, with everything else. Yeah. Well, and even to that to that point, uh, over where the Berenstein Bears is, they have an entire storybook area. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a place where you can sit and read. It's a place where they've got the props and mm-hmm. they've got the toys and they've right. got the scenery. It's a place where the books that the kids are reading can come to life mm-hmm. right in front of you there. Right. I, like, I can't imagine driving somebody's imagination any, any better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one was the mystery room. Yes. Talk about that for a that, little bit. That was kind of really, really cool. It, we kind of came around this corner and it was kind of set up like a haunted house. But what was awesome was it had like secret um, passageways where you could go behind the walls and spy on the people that were in the room. Through the portrait. You could po- through look the through portrait. the eyes of the you portrait. You could look through the portrait. And then on when you were on the other side... They, there was an area where there were uh, buttons to do sound effects so you could make it sound like a screeching cat or a ghost or chains and scare the people that are in the other room. So, you know, that was just really neat. Um, one of the other sections that Maddie and I had gone to where it was kind of the fairy tale area, they had a big, um, like, uh, giant... Um, and they had like a pirate ship Well, you could walk across the pirate ship and then there was a bridge and then there was like a little nook area where you could kind of sit and just read if you wanted to that was up back hidden away, um, you know, away from everything. So all these little nooks and crannies of places to, to go and hide and explore. And when you get someplace, oh, look, there's a plaque and here's some information about a story that this is based upon or, or something. So just really cool. Just so much to, to see and, and do um, where it would really be nice to, to go back there and, and yeah, spend, I, you know, two I days doing it. I think we need to figure out a way to plan to get back up in that area and see the well, other stuff Well, you know, the Rochester Institute of Technology, <laughs> since we're going to be visiting some colleges uh, <laughs> this true. coming year. <laughs> that is true. 
<laughs> so anyway, that was the Strong Museum of Play that we went to. Mm-hmm. And there'll be links in the show notes. If Did if, you have a video for that? Uh, oh, actually, I, I think I, I did and I didn't play it. I guess I should have probably have played that, huh? <laughs> we probably could have talked over the, eh, the video. It's okay. <laughs> we, we, we liked it so much, we'll do it again. Uh, they had, yeah, they had a giant um, Mr. Potato Head mm-hmm. that was a remote control Mr. Potato Head yeah. you could play with. Oh, and the superhero section, which was... Their superhero section was huge. Yeah, yeah. They had interactive uh, things that you could do there. You could Great picture opportunities for mm-hmm. it. So More of the little fairy ginger, tale. Gingerbread house. You section. had a castle there. You had a dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was so interactive. Oh, this was one of the, the hidden nook areas. You know, and then again, Harry Potter stuff, Narnia stuff. So up until, you know, current items, And it, some of this stuff was like literally museum grade mm-hmm. things that you would not normally find in stores and stuff as well. Oh, and they had a train. Yeah, they had a train inside too. Right. They did actually have, yeah, and then the, the different, to- uh, you know, school area type yep. things. Then a whole huge section of, of Sesame Street uh, with a huge... Uh, Big Bird and and play area and stuff. And then here's part of the, the history of the dolls. And the dolls were one of the interactive ones, too, where you got mm-hmm. the... They asked you a series of questions about the right. dolls. Is Are they showed you, like, the 1860s dolls and the moderns? And they asked simple questions, like, are these the same type of play? And, and they went oh, into the Oh, and details. of course, the little play Wegmans that you could go into right. and shop, which right. was adorable. Because <laughs> we love Wegmans. And then Snoop, you know, basically any character, uh, you know, and our daughter loves SpongeBob. So that was, ooh, yay, SpongeBob was was there. The video game section was, was because it was a walk down memory lane to begin Mm -hmm. with, because it was a lot of home video games and stuff like that. A lot of classic World War II era Mm -hmm. type toys that were in there that you you just don't see, and tons of Star Wars. They Mm -hmm. had probably... Four or five different Star Wars displays, which right, is, and know, it was Star Wars of every generation, right? You right. know, between the old, the new, the original. No sequels, though, which no sequ- I, I was okay with. <laughs> you were totally okay with that. Buffy was was even represented. Action figures had their own section mm-hmm. there, which was awesome. They had the original uh, promise box for the 1978 Star Wars figures. And then just classic toys that if you saw anywhere else, they would look like creepy dolls. Right. But when they're but, uh, all they put were together. presented so well here that go, you could appreciate okay. the history. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, oh, Wow. And again, you go, I had that, or, my, you know... And that was every corner you turn, oh, I had that, I played with that. Or I had my neighbor had, had that, that. Right. right. I've played with that before, I had that before. Remember, they had the light bright section there. Mm-hmm. The, in the video game section, they even had recovered a uh, copy of the E.T. <laughs> the E.T. game. That was buried out in the desert. <laughs> that was funny. So that was interesting. And I, I tried playing that and realized, wow, this really this game really does stink. <laughs> Oh, and their dollhouse section. Oh, my gosh. They had every possible dollhouse room imaginable on display. And, like, multiple houses and and basically explaining how dollhouses, here's the the first Lego set, um, but with the dollhouses talking about how usually it was a model of 
the child's own house right, made right. with pieces from their house and, you know, kind of the history of how dollhouses kind of came to be and that the idea behind, um, you know, a dollhouse was to, you know, a little girl to be prepared to be a mom and, and have her own house. And, so. you, and you learned that Samsonite was the first yeah. dealer in the United <laughs> States for Legos. I went, luggage? Yeah. <laughs> what You bought a piece of luggage and you got a Lego house? <laughs> what? How would how'd that happen? So that was, you know, amazing to see. And, and of course, you know, then and you And solitaire. solitaire. Right. So you had solitaire. And there was, like, it was a dedicated display just for solitaire because yeah. it had the old mouse and everything with mm-hmm. it and which my mom had so it was kind of funny and the world almanac to play where in the world is carmen san diego right because you, you didn't have google to look up things and that's the thing with a lot of their displays it wasn't just oh here's the topic it's here's all the supporting things mm-hmm. that went around with it right that you that made it all that more familiar mm-hmm. for you yeah absolutely and it was good that we took all these pictures because we we were running out of time to here's the whole thing with the the et you know being buried and and stuff like that but just to be able to go back and look and see what we what we missed really but yet right. at least got pictures of and well and and what was neat was they gave it all to you in mostly in chronological Mm -hmm. order so you could actually see the evolution Mm -hmm. whether it was the evolution of play the evolution of the technology you could see how you got from the 1970s i'll say which is you know kind of where i pick things up up until modern times and you can see how the technologies change and you realize people still play the same way right you know, that really hasn't changed all that much. It's just the toys, the tools that we use to, to play. We're a little bit more um, sophisticated yeah. with the way. Absolutely. But to be able to play some of these older toys would and be... And the, the selection of board games that they have was oh, mind-blowing. Board games I didn't even know existed. And they even, you know, they still take donations mm-hmm. of toys and games and stuff like that. And they'll curate them. They'll get the backstory for them. And, you know, they make them available on display. I can only imagine if that's everything that they've got on display there. What they what have. What do they have that they don't have room for right now yeah, that they haven't put on you, display Because you yet? know that they probably, you know, move stuff in and out, change the displays, uh, you know, every now and then. So, yeah, I can't even imagine what their their back room looks like. And their the technology that they had on display, they had one room where it was probably a massive wall that was, I don't know, 50 feet long, mm-hmm. and it had projections on it, projectors, you know, throwing various interactive things on there. But you could walk into the projection and actually interact with the displays. You could, mm-hmm. like, it was a toy, toy a kid's toy room that right. they were displaying. You that could was walk part over. of the, the uh, Toy Hall of Fame right. display. You could walk over Which and... Which is what these pictures are, are showing. Virtually pick something mm-hmm. up off the shelf and, and play with it or bounce a ball or whatever. Right, right. And then you had the one wall that was the tall screen mm-hmm. that you were able to do um, interactive bubble popping and right. stuff like that right. with. 
So just a lot of different things to keep you occupied, mm-hmm. to keep your mind engaged, and to just have fun. Yeah, and that's that was really the whole point of it. So, yeah. so the Strong Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. We'll be right back. For over seven years, the Second Sith Empire has been the premier community guild in the online game Star Wars The Old Republic. With hundreds of friendly and helpful active members, a weekly schedule of nightly events, annual guild meet and greets, and an active community both on the web and on Discord. The Second Sith Empire is more than your typical gaming group. We're family. Join us on the Starforge server for nightly events such as operations, flashpoints, world boss hunts, Star Wars trivia, guild lottery, and much more. Visit us on the web today at www.thesecondsithempire.com. So welcome back. So for our next segment, we're going to be talking about one of the newer uh, conventions that came to town uh, this past May. Uh, It was called Contropolis PA, um, and this year it was held at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks. It's organized by Altered Reality Entertainment, and they are the producers of the Rhode Island Comic Con, which is the largest pop culture event in New England. And it come, you know, and this is the first time that they've done something in the Philly area. That's pretty cool. It was huge. They had, I think, what, four halls? I think they had open for it. Yeah, I think so. They had the cars. They had tons and tons of vendors and vendors that we hadn't even seen before. Right, because a lot of the vendors were from the New England area. Right. Because we did talk with a few of them uh, just to kind of see, you know, how things had been because we had gone, did we go on Saturday or did we go on Sunday? We went on Sunday. We went on Sunday and we, you know, and normally we go on Sundays and Sundays are usually a little quieter, but it just seemed very quiet. So we had asked, oh, were you guys busy you know, Friday and Saturday. And they said, eh, the crowds really weren't that big. And it seemed that they really hadn't advertised it. Right. And there was a lot of stuff going on in Philly that weekend. Mm -hmm. They had playoffs for one of the sports teams going on and a bunch of other things were Mm -hmm. going on that weekend. So it was kind of a a perfect storm of things that, that played against their ability to, to really put people in the, in the convention there, but the, the ones, the vendors, they had a lot of vendors that were there. They had some vendors who didn't come back in for, for Sunday, I think, because they were right. Because there were some empty spots, but the vendors that they had there were quality products that mm-hmm. they had there. We, in fact, we found a, a new vendor that we wound up buying quite a bit of <laughs> merchandise You wound from. up buying a lot. What did I get? I got the Red uh, Five. That was them. Red Five, yeah. So oh, that's she, that's me trying to convince our our daughter to. Right. So <laughs> so Maddie bought her SpongeBob. Uh, what kind of backpack was it? Lounge fly. Lounge fly backpack. I bought my 
Ray Force Effects lightsaber. I bought a Haunted Mansion keychain. You, yeah, you didn't really spend all that much there. No, I didn't. Uh, and I wound up scoring another uh, Darth Vader statue from a, mm -hmm. a different from vendor a different as vendor. well. Mm -hmm. uh, tons of artists. And I love the way they did it, too, because they mixed their artists in with their vendors. Right. So you that it's have, not just... You didn't have a dedicated artist alley, so it was a nice mix. You could get in there. You weren't elbow to elbow with people. Mm -hmm. They arranged everything. Plenty of room. They arranged everything with plenty uh, sufficiently wide aisles. Mm -hmm. Um, which that's the one thing I hate, especially when we went to New York Comic Con. Right, that that's probably our biggest on people. Yeah, our biggest gripe with New York. You had a great mix of of comic book vendors, uh, pop culture vendors. Uh, we're looking at a, a toffee vendor there. <laughs> yeah, there was a, something for everybody. Uh, you know, it was a, a, a very nice mix. You had the homemade stuff. That's always nice. You have a couple of different authors that are there with, with books. A lot of crafty stuff. A lot of know, crafty one, things. And that's one of the things that I've noticed recently at the conventions is you're getting a lot of the laser engraved, laser mm -hmm. carved uh, wood objects and stuff now. Right. Now, they had celebrities here, too. So <laughs> let's talk about the celebrities for a minute that they had. And I'm not talking about sure. Fezzik there. Sure. <laughs> so who was the, the highlight performer, highlight celebrity that they had? So I, I think probably their top build person uh, was Corey Feldman. Yeah. From, from the Lost Boys. and He was and a draw, other. though. He had a line. He had a line. He definitely had, had a line. Now, we didn't do any of the panels. We, we were going to do one or two of them. Right. But we were just kind of tired, and we're like, all right, you know what? I think we're, we're done. So we, That seems to be a theme in this episode. Yeah, we're just old and tired we're now. We're just tired. <laughs> we needed a nap. Um, so that, that would have been interesting to see. The How Bob many Eubanks panel. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I think we had missed that because I think that was Saturday. Or the, the MASH one. I the think MASH. that was Yeah, because they had Jamie Farr Jamie and Loretta Farr, Swift there. You know, so that that was kind of interesting because, all right, Corey Feldman, yeah, I could see he's done, you know, the convention circuit before. But to see Bob Eubanks and Jamie Farr and that was just kind of like, yeah, okay, that's... That's kind of not the not the typical not celebrities the typical, you'd expect, right? And then a lot of the voice actors that unfortunately I don't know who any of them are, right? Um, well, and the one who w was supposed to be there that right. I wanted to see and was sat through his panel, Sam Witwer, wound right. up pulling out unfortunately. Right, but I also know him from as not a voice actor. I know him as an actor. Well, yeah, he's an actor. Right, I'm saying, but you know him from the Star Wars game, also, right? So that would have been one, and from yes. Clone Wars, he was Darth Maul. Right. So that's what I'm saying. For people that are very into gaming and anime and things like that, some of he the... He plays Star Wars The Old Republic, too, you know. Okay. And he's on Twitch, too. Okay. Are you guys, like, best buds? Did you well, message no, him to find he, out Well, no. If we were, he would have showed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got to drop a note and find out what happened. I'm like, I hope everything's okay. I when missed are you. you. When are you going to be in town again, when man? When are you going to be in town? <laughs> but again, it's it's one of our favorite locations to go and see conventions at. Um, but it, as you can see, you know, come at the, some of the spaces a little sparse. They it, they weren't filled to the max with it. But again, enough of a selection of different 
things out there. They definitely overbooked the hall, Mm -hmm. which they'll probably correct that next time. Right. But as far as I know, they're they're coming back again. So yeah, they haven't updated their website with new dates yet. Right. So everything is still last last year or this past May. Right. Um, but plenty to see. You know, depending on what what your interests are. Um, again, we didn't see any of the panel, so I don't know how you know was space limited was. Uh, you know, how was the sound? Um, well, couple- but we did go through the panel room because that's where the restrooms <laughs> right, were. That is true. Which they were kind of thought up. that was odd that you would have yeah. done it where the restrooms are. Yeah, yeah. But of course, they had you know because they were getting set up for karaoke. Right. They were doing, uh, and then I think they were going to be doing like a trivia thing. Right. They had a couple of different uh, things. The one that was really interesting. I don't know if we got footage of it. The one. Um, the he was a puppeteer f- for Hem- Henson. For uh, I think that was a la- one of the last he was, shots he, that we had. Oh, okay, yeah, he was in this section. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. this was the start of it with his artwork, but then he had various different Muppets that he has worked on. Not at all creepy, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He had all his awards and everything. So for the people who are watching and not listening, it's worthwhile to tune in and actually see some of the details yeah. that we had. Yeah, so it, w- it was very, you know, it was very well done. We don't normally go to see celebrities, so that's right. never a, oh, this is going to... Especially when the, the lead draws Corey Feldman. We're, n- we're not standing in line for Corey Feldman, I'm sorry. I would have <laughs> stood in line for for Jamie Farr and Loretta Swick because I love MASH. Right, and they had no they line. Had so no you line, probably right. could have just gone over and, you know, talked to them and said hi, and yeah. they probably would have been ecstatic to... I was spent by them. We should yeah. probably should have did the celebrities first. We always should do that. <laughs> Go yeah. and find them and work our way back. Yeah. Maybe next one. <laughs> so do we have any conventions coming up in the near future? Um, I think September. I don't think there's anything in the summer because the last one would have been Fan Expo that we decided not to go to. Right. We're not going to go to the Burst in Flames Horror Con at uh, Expo Center, the outside one again? Or they well, not they, doing no, that? they're not doing it. That they only okay. did. They'll be doing uh, Monster Mania. We'll be back at um, Oaks in November. Okay. So we'll be doing that one again. That was a memorable one, the yeah. outside one. If COVID didn't kill you, we will. <laughs> that was hard. Last weekend in May. Oh, I, uh, it won't be so hot. I almost passed out. I'm over on the grass sitting under this <laughs> tiny little umbrella trying not to die. And and at that one, they were actually selling umbrellas at right. least. Where, we you had know, to buy them fast because they went quick. Right. That is true. That is true. So anyway, that was Contropolis, Philly. Uh, they don't have anything new. Uh, we're looking at the website now, actually. Yeah, they there, haven't there updated there. anything yet. We're so. not looking at any new information there. So hopefully they come back and, uh, you know, if they do, I'm sure we'll be going. Sure. But we're going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to cry over a couple of shows that have said farewell to us. We'll be right back. Insights into Teens, a podcast series exploring the issues and challenges of today's youth. Talking to real teens about real teen problems. 
explore issues from braces to puberty, social anxiety to financial responsibility. Each week, we talk about the topics concerning today's youth. We look at how the issues affect teens, how to cope with these issues, and how parents, friends, and loved ones can help teens handle these challenges. Check out our video episodes on youtube.com backslash insights into things. Catch our audio versions on podcast.insightsintoteens.com or on the web at insightsintothings.com. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so for our next segment, we're going to be talking about the different uh, couple of our favorite shows that have wrapped up uh, and had their series fun- finales uh, in the last past months, uh, last few months, or since we've actually done a podcast before. <laughs> uh, so the first would be the long running original Walking Dead. And if you didn't ever hear about it, you're obviously living <laughs> under a rock uh, because it's uh, based on the comic book series written by Robert Kirkman. It's the gritty drama that portrays life in the months and years that follow a zombie apocalypse. You have a group of survivors that travel in search for safety and security and are constantly on the move and in search of a secure home. But the pressure each day to stay alive sends them, you know, many of the group into the deepest depths of human cruelty, and they soon discover that the overwhelming fear of the survivors can be more deadly than the zombies walking among them. Um, since the original came out, there have been now six spinoffs from this show. Um, the original, obviously, was the one that lasted the longest with 11 seasons um, and kind of rewrote the way zombie shows were done and looked at, really, when when you kind of think about it. The popularity really boomed once Walking Dead uh, came around. Um, but they finally wrapped up their season and we kind of thought, oh, this is the end. And then all of a sudden now you have these other spinoffs where some of the uh, other spinoffs that they've had were totally different characters, were different places. Uh, you had the one where it's out in California, um, one that was also in the South where there were a couple of little tie-ins, but not really. But now after Walking Dead, they have the the New York version that just Dead came out. Dead City. Dead City, which is with Negan um, and uh, Maggie. Maggie. But you have the Michonne show. with Allegedly. <laughs> that one's also in the works. And then, of course, you have um, the one um, blah, blah, I can't think. Uh, Fear? No. Uh, with what's his name? Daryl, the Daryl show that was supposed to be the Daryl and Carol show, but Carol backed out. So you have, you know, so where you kind of thought things were just ending. Nope. We're giving you three other shows with characters from your beloved. Daryl and his sister, Carol and their other brother, (laughs) Daryl. Right. Right. So what did you think of, of the finale? Uh, Or the final season? It was kind of, well, the final season was just a mess. They Mm. were all over the place. Um, and it was largely because of COVID, you know, they didn't True. really know how to deal with, with shutting down because 
a, a zombie show where you're getting eaten by other people doesn't really work in a pandemic, does true, it? True, true. Um, they were very creative in how they went about doing some of the things because you had the little shorts that came out for it that, that mm-hmm. pushed it around. You had um, uh, season 11A and then you had season 11B and then you had the interludes that were the Tales of the Walking Dead in between there. Right, right. You had the ridiculously long episodes. Then you had a four-part series and then they did the second half. It was so confusing as to where you were with things that it was really like three seasons in one for Mm -hmm. for season 11. Right, because I think they kind of felt like they had gotten gypped out of previous seasons because of COVID coming in and shutting things down that they felt they had more story to tell. But yet I only read the comics up to a certain point. You did kind of read the anthologies or the, to, to kind of know where things were going and the way the story ended on the show and where it ended in the comics was completely different. There were characters you said that Well, and that was the problem. So by the time you got to this point in the comics, this show was completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. The main character, well, first of all, like Daryl never even appears. Right. So the characters. Everybody knows that part. Right. Yeah. The characters that wind up at the end of the, the series are not the characters that are in the comic books. Mm-hmm. And the key characters that show up in the comic books are all dead or gone or missing or walk about or whatever. You know, they're just right. not there. Right. So what was interesting was seeing the parallels. So like, for instance, um, Michonne in the comics was turns out to be a lawyer and she's a judge in this new community. Mm-hmm. Well, they had to kind of have somebody there to drive part of that story. Right. So they pick a different one. So they right. pick... Uh, uh, who they picked for that? Nikimo, no, uh, Nikita. I can't think of what her. Khrushchev. <laughs> you know I'm horrible with names. <laughs> yeah, that one. That, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the so. one in the picture right there. So, right. So, and one of the key things that happens in the comics is the son of the governor, I guess, or whatever her. her right. He winds up killing. Uh, no spoilers here. The comic's been out a while. Killing, uh, what's his face? Cowboy hat. Big gun. <laughs> Sheriff. What's his name? Help me out here. Michonne's husband. Yes, uh, him. Rick. Rick, right. <laughs> so he winds up killing Rick, and that sends that whole story down. So they wind up doing something completely different here. Okay. Like not even close to it. Right. So it was an interesting take on it, but... The comics didn't end, which is the weird thing. So you get the the second, the penultimate episode of the comics and everything's, you know, all hell's breaking loose and it doesn't end. And then the final episode is a time hop. Right. That tries to sort of tell you where things are 20 years in the future or whatever. Right, right. And it was such a disappointing end to the series. This one here, at least the TV series, is kind of... Tied up all the loose ends Mm -hmm. by the end. Right, right. But you still have that potential for a 20-year time hop down the line there that you might pick things back Mm -hmm. up again. Right. Uh, So the contrast between the two is very different. They they tried to stick to some of the story, but you just couldn't because of all the changes that happened up until this point. Right. I wasn't 
it wasn't a mash ending, you know. And and every time I think of like the a series finale, I I compare every series finale to mash, right? Because that was like the ultimate ending to the ultimate show, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that, but it wasn't terrible. I, I don't know. I don't I don't have any other words to really describe. It was kind of just. Oh, okay. That's how it ended. All right. Well, let's move on to the next show now. Because you knew it wasn't over. Well, and, uh, and that was and the worst part. that's kind of what I was thinking is that we knew we weren't completely saying goodbye right. to most of these characters because they've already said, oh, by the way, we have these three shows in Right. There production. were no tear-jerking goodbyes. There was right. no, we'll, you know, we'll never see you again type thing. It was like, oh, okay, guys, I'll see you on the set next week. Right. So it was like, it was such an artificial end to the mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and on, let's be honest, eleven seasons they they dragged it out a little too far. And that's the thing is there were some seasons that didn't have to like season two, the <laughs> terminus season was terrible, or that didn't have to be so long. There, yeah. you know. And again, this is before COVID even happened, where there were seasons that were just kind of like that one uh, whole season where they were wandering in the wood. The only good thing that came out of that season was look at the flowers, just look at the flowers. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get that reference, I commend you for sticking with the show, okay? And that's the thing is there were people who had started watching it and got to a certain point and they were just like, you know what? Well, and I told I'm you done. when I binged watched the mm-hmm. first seven seasons, right? had I watched season two week to week, I would have walked away from that bored out of my mind. The only thing that kept me with the show is that I had binged the entire season and was able to get it done in a couple of right, days. Right, right. So, but anyway, that ended uh, kind of in preparation sort of. for the new ones to come out. Which right. Dead City is out. We saw episode, first two episodes, right? We only watched the first one Just so the far, first one. But there have been two. We haven't right. watched the next what's one. Your, what's your opinion of the first episode? Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. But it's kind of there. Oh, look, there's more bad people. Oh, okay. Wow, there's more bad people, and they're really, really bad, and they're stuck on an island in New York. Ooh, let's go. Hmm. And then you have, like, you even brought up the whole marshals and things that are, you know, trying Just to doesn't keep make sense. law and order. And it's like, well, what organization is there how did that organization come to be because how do you invest somebody in with authority in a society where you can kill people Mm -hmm. at will like there's no there's not there's no laws the only thing that that makes a a law enforcement officer valid is people who follow the law right and if you don't follow the law you face the, the penalties well if nobody follows the law and you're just killing people right like, like clearly they are i mean right you literally have communities that are miles away from each other going to war with each mm-hmm. other the premise of a marshal doesn't make any sense right now i did read some brief thing because i didn't want to know spoilers but i there was somebody that had watched the whole season and basically said you have to give it a couple of episodes to finally get going oh and it's the disney philosophy now. <laughs> yeah pretty much you need to get four episodes into the seven episode series before it gets interesting right so so we'll see we'll we'll probably watch it just to what what i think what annoyed me was 
there was always this curiosity of what could possibly bring Negan and Maggie together right. to go on this adventure to New York City. Right, because and you knew. And we called it months ago what it was. And the fact that we were so spot on for it was right. just so disappointing. Right, but still we don't know why Negan was where he is. They they still haven't really, you know, like he kind of hinted, but nothing else. Like no more information right. about what happened. But that's not what... what in, in, you know, I interest me what how he got there. Mm-hmm. You know, he got there probably because he got kicked out of 12 other communities because of True. who he is. Yeah, well. I would expect nothing less. Mm. But, you know, the fact that you have Maggie, and the only reason that Maggie went to find Negan was because the guy who runs this new gang in New York happened to be one of his followers. Right. That is such a weak, weak driver, mm-hmm. motivational driver for putting aside the fact that this man bashed your husband's brains out in front of you. Right. It just, it makes no sense from a logical standpoint. Yeah. You could have literally taken anybody else and been just as effective. Mm-hmm. So I, my hopes aren't particularly high for this one, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. What's the next big disappointment? Well, no, it wasn't a disappointment. That it's over, I mean. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, would be Star Trek Picard. Uh, That happened to be a favorite of ours. Uh, It aired for three seasons uh, and wrapped up. So the series actually begins in 2399, which is 20 years after Jean-Luc Picard's last appearance in Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, and finds that the character is deeply affected by the death of of Data in that film, as well as the destruction of the planet Romulus in the film uh, Star Trek. He is retired from Starfleet and is living on his family's vineyard. Uh, Picard is drawn into a new adventure when he is, let me move my mouse, uh, visited by a synthetic daughter of Data, uh, one of the several new synthetic beings um, that seem to be coming out uh, now in that time period. Uh, So Picard fights for their right to exist and gives his life to save them. After um, his consciousness is transferred into a synthetic body for the second season, conveniently, we move to 2401. And now Picard and his companions are living new lives when an old adversary, Q, traps them in an alternate reality. And they must travel back to time to the 21st century to save the future of the galaxy. And then finally, the third season um, Picard learns that he has a son who is being hunted by um, a mysterious enemy, and then he reunites with the former crew of the USS Enterprise to protect his son and face the new invasion of the Borg. Yep. Yep, that's what that's, happened. That's pretty much That's it. pretty much what happened. Um, no spoilers or anything, though, but he has another son. It's not another, it's not a clone from Nemesis that the Romulans made. And he he helped the synths to define the fact that they could exist, kind of like he did with Data. When, mm-hmm. when it, the the only thing with the series was they they kind of recycled a lot of themes that they had previously. Right, right. Um, there wasn't fresh themes there, but the way that they did it, it was it was a throw to the fans. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely season three was definitely a throwback and a, a love letter to to the fans because they knew it was ending. They knew they weren't doing a fourth season. So they knew they kind of had to tie up all of the, the loose ends. So right. you had where, 
you know, season two and season one, you had a couple of cameos by a couple of different things. By season three, it was basically everybody and all these different cameos and people that you weren't even expecting uh, to show up that, you know, we would watch and be like, oh, my God, is that? And it was. And, you know, so that was that was kind of neat to to have that happen. And then it was the, the only problem is there was there was some of the situations in which these people showed up were completely unbelievable. It's like, like, like these people don't have a life. Like they all just sit around waiting for Picard to call them and, and come do something. Okay, yeah, they're all retired <laughs> for the most part. I love sure, the fact. I love the fact that they had Jordy running the, the ship museum, mm-hmm. and he just conveniently put together the Enterprise that was destroyed in Star Trek Generations. Just conveniently happened to have that in his back pocket just right right when they needed it. Because you never know when you're going to need a ship. (sighs) Yeah. Suspend reality. (laughs) I I felt like so much of this third season was forced down my throat. I I ate it up. You sure did. Because I'm a Star Trek fan. Yep. I just felt force-fed so much of this and was just told to believe it. Yeah, that was that was really my take on it. But Three, who was your favorite character in the whole season? My favorite character? Mm-hmm. In the third season. I don't know. Who was my favorite character? Who wasn't from the original? Who wasn't from the original? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I really had a favorite. W- wasn't the captain? Oh yes, the captain of the of the what was the ship? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, we're not going to mention that. No. But the captain of the other ship <laughs> was my favorite just because he was so dry and sarcastic. Yes. And he was a prick and he admits that he's a prick. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, just kind of endears you. And unfortunately, you know, he doesn't make it out of... Everything is as squeaky clean as everyone else does, but uh, yeah, he was he was definitely the mm-hmm. highlight. He of definitely the added the to to the highlight of the, your uh, yeah. watching. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. So, but anyway, Picard uh, seasons one through three are now available on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take a quick break. Come back. We're running a little bit late here for the good, the bad, and the ugly segment. We'll be right back. I don't know the music queued up, unfortunately, but we'll be right back. So the good. We mentioned it earlier during our trip to <laughs> Niagara. Right. Now up to Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one gem that we found in what was really a, a sad, rundown resort town that, that is on it bad luck, really was a restaurant that we found on the other side of town from the resort we stayed in Mm -hmm. called The Bakery. Yes. The Bakery itself. And I did a review. You can find my review up on Google. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look it up on Google Maps, um, we have pictures and everything. The Bakery was the most unique eatery experience that I think we've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. It was genuine. It was authentic. You walked in there and you felt like you were in your mom's house from the 1950s and 60s. Yes. Uh, it was decorated beautifully, and the the staff was attentive. 
when when you had gotten off at one point in time to take some pictures because of how unique the place was, the chef came over. Right. And said, oh, well, if you're interested in, in learning more about it. And he took you on a tour of the yeah, place. He and he showed you the, through the place. What was interesting, so it was originally a bakery and the baker's house were next to each other. So that's what became this building. And he took me, you know, to the hallway where the restrooms were and you could see through the architecture oh this is where the house was this is where the bakery was and they kind of built the two buildings together and and you could see where the front porch had been where they had built an enclosure and then you know the one area had been a dance hall uh had been a speakeasy at one point in time um the there was a back entrance that you would come in um to to go in to dance and and drink and and stuff so just got all these historic things from it there was even a picture of the original house and a picture of the original family uh was there too so if you didn't know that it was there you know you might not have even known the the history of it yeah. so it was it was such a genuine experience yeah. and it was so enjoyable chef joseph was so attentive mm-hmm. he, you had gone off to the restaurant at one point in time and he was talking to maddie and i and he was saying you know i don't live in town here i i, I commute in from buffalo and he was giving us you know suggestions of other things Buff- yeah it was it was it was just so mm-hmm. it really made a kind of a lukewarm trip really special mm-hmm. to to do that and it was before we went to the strong by the right. way yeah so it was that was the other highlight of mm-hmm. the trip itself was the bakery in right. niagara falls yeah now for the ugly so we had talked about this a lot we had talked about the anticipation of it coming. We had talked about the accommodations and the experience. And we talked about the price. And we said, I'll be shocked. And I, I have to go back and probably get my quote. I'll be shocked if this lasts 18 months. And, of course, we're talking about Disney's Galactic Star Cruiser, which is set for its final voyage in September. Hasn't been open two full years now. Yeah, it's been 18 months, I believe. 18 months. And they're closing. Mm-hmm. Because they can't convince stupid people, enough <laughs> stupid people to pay the kind of money that they want you to pay. <laughs> and really, it was ridiculous that they were mm-hmm. charging the equivalent of a seven-day cruise for two nights. Right. To, to basically stay in a prison cell. Right. And that's what people who have stayed there described it as. Mm-hmm. No windows. You're you're sleeping in, in bunk beds, like prison-style bunk beds. Mm-hmm. Your day is regimented. You have to do certain things because of the way that they have their interaction. Right. And it people just didn't find it in, enjoyable. Right. And if you weren't the type of person that enjoyed role-playing or LARPing or anything to that, this wasn't for you because you're not going to get anything out of it. Now, people that were into that and liked dressing up and liked being interactive, they enjoyed the trip because it it was immersive that way. But if you weren't that type of person, you were probably bored out of your mind because there wasn't anything else to do. Or you kind of felt weird hanging around other people that were doing these adventures and, and things like that. So so I just want to take a moment to tell Disney, I told you so. 
<laughs> I took great pleasure in hearing about this because there was no, as much as I would have loved to, to go and experience it, there was no way in hell that I was going to give Disney that kind of money mm -hmm. for any kind of experience. I don't care. I'm not giving Disney that much money for something like that for two days. Right. Now, if Absolutely. it was a week's vacation yeah. with, you know, on an actual cruise ship, yes, Absolutely. I will give you that kind of money. Right. For me to actually go someplace and see something and 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 do. But, yeah, that, that was the thing. We were very excited when they were first announcing it. And we said, okay, let's, let's see what it comes out to be, how much it's going to be, how much, you know, okay, where, where's our price point, you know, what, what we're willing to spend. And then when the prices came out, it was just, And then Disney what? slapped millions of people in the face mm -hmm. with yeah. the, the fictitious price that they gave you. Mm -hmm. And it was just embarrassing. Right. I was embarrassed for Disney mm -hmm. that they were asking people yeah. for that kind of money. Yeah. Second ugly thing. And this is one that's near and well, dear. Well, this is really the bad. This is probably more than ugly. Oh, right. This is this is the bad. Sorry. I went out of order. Yeah. The it's bad. okay. Yeah. It's yeah, fine. Okay. You can fix it in post. Yeah. I'll fi right. I'll fix it in post. I keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we were robbed. Mm -hmm. Somebody stole money from us. Mm -hmm. And the people that stole money from us were the Philly Pops and the Kimmel Center. Because we had bought tickets for a Star Wars concert event. And it was canceled. At one point in time, allegedly. It was supposed to be last summer. Right. And then due to whatever reasons, they had to postpone it until June of this year. So they said, hold on to your tickets. They didn't offer any refunds. Right. You could get... Wait a You could year. transfer your ticket to something else... But just hold on to your tickets. We're going to, everything will be fine. We'll see you June 2023. Right. And then what happened? Oh, it's postponed again. But we don't know when now or where it'll actually even be. They were very communicative, the Philly Pops were, in telling us about this legal battle that they had with the Kimmel Center. Mm -hmm. And it was a terrible thing, and they <clears> kicked <throat> them out, and they're not giving them any concert hall time, and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't give a damn about any of that. All I know is I paid money for a concert that they didn't put on, and I don't care whose fault it is. Mm -hmm. I, the concert was scheduled for last week. Mm -hmm. I want my concert. Or I want my money. Right. I don't want to wait. I don't want to hear it's postponed. I don't want to hear this guy did this. I don't want to hear that you're crying poor mouth. You took my money. You didn't give me a product. You stole my money. Mm -hmm. And it was the Philly Pops and it was the Kimmel Center that stole my money. And at this point in time, I'm waiting for the class action lawsuit because I know it's going to come out. And I'll get $3 back from it and lawyers will get the rest of the money. Mm-hmm. But at least based on principle, someone's going to pay something for mm -hmm. this. And neither the Philly Pops, which we've gone to a number of their shows already, nor the Kimmel Center will ever get another dime from me because they stole my money. That's, that's my public service announcement for today. Do you feel better now? I, I, a little bit. Okay. A little bit. It's a little, little hot in here now, so I'm getting a little hot under the collar. I understand. So anyway, that was the afterthoughts I had. Be careful who you give your money to. Don't trust anybody, et cetera, et cetera. 
be paranoid like me. Sure. And bitter. Be bitter, too. <laughs> be bitter. That's the important part. <laughs> nice. I don't forgive. I don't forget either. So yeah, I guess yeah. it doesn't really matter. Anyway, that's uh, that was all we had for the show today. Before we go, I do want to once again invite folks uh, from our listening and viewing audience. If you don't already do so, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You're looking at me as though I have to say something. No. Okay. Uh, we're on Google, Stitcher. I would also ask you to take a few moments, give us a review. You know, give us a thumbs up or a star or whatever your podcast of choice uses for a rating system itself. High fives. High fives work too. Fist pump. I don't. I don't know. That works. I don't know of any of them that do fist bumps, <laughs> but it could be kind of awkward. Uh, also, reach out to us. Give us your feedback. Tell us how we're doing. You can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. You can find us on Twitter at insights underscore things. We do stream five days a week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash insights into things. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash insights into things podcast. On Instagram, we're at insights into things. And you can go to our main website that has links to everything that we mentioned, which is www.insightsintothings.com. That's it. Another one in the books. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye.